0: I'm Chai Tan. I'm Ben I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture.
1: And I'm direct to the fifth and highlight fifth in hip hop, which is knowledge. Who's number one? <laughs> Bully from oh my god! Need, need some chest from you, Ben. I need I need some bullet from
0: a gun energy. from you. Yeah, it's, it is 6am over here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I need, nah, nah, couldn't need more, couldn't need more. <laughs> 6 is no for this case, we need bullet from a gun energy. <laughs> <He's> a, <laughs> I really need to pull myself to together. Scream shit.
0: Anyway, hi Ben, how's your week Ben? What have you to this week? This week, well, I was actually about to tweet about the first project I listened to, which was Little Ween's The Fix Before the Six, and it is shit it is not very good (laughs) i don't think anyone needs i mean look if you listen to it you know exactly what i'm talking about don't need to talk about it anymore if you i'm about to tweet out the analysis and for one of the rare occasions where like i've focused on a specific topic which is women and sex in my analysis that's pretty much all the album is so yeah it's not not for me
1: and instead of thoughts it's garbage at the end
0: yeah well the funny thing is people are now starting to realise what we were realising for many years that as a feature artist Lil Wayne with a single verse he can scorch but full length projects they often fall down pretty spectacularly and this one absolutely did Uh, Tiger and YG dropped a project and it's bangers on bangers on bangers on bangers on bangers Uh, just brilliant both you know both artists kind of lost a little bit of steam although tiger just seems to be getting more and more powerful actually to be honest i mean obviously he was bigger when he was at young money but as an independent artist he's doing incredibly and honestly this project yeah it slaps i i enjoyed it immensely um i think that was about it i did listen to sanity uh which i did not know what to expect very enjoyable um bruises to bruises to blossoms charlie put me onto that um yeah enjoy it uh whole wholeheartedly recommend it oh, i did listen to the Armand hammer album um yeah it's good it's good i saw someone say it was low tier low tier level arm hammer i'm like not sure about that i thought it was pretty pretty freaking good i did this oh, i maybe i did get into a few albums i listened to the rome streets album and i think i came on here a couple of years ago and said i wasn't the biggest rome streets fan that's still the case like I know that his lyricism is incredible. I know that these beats are great. The flows are cold. For some reason, it's his voice. I don't know why. It just doesn't really do it for me. But yeah, no, this was good. This was really good. Currency on here. Joy Badass on here. Um, yeah, it's a nice front pack listen. I, I enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, that was that was it. I didn't listen to much this week. What about yourself, Charlie? A ton
1: start off with uh ian kelly friend of iv ian kelly uh, and drew banger uh soulful of it really good title and uh yeah it's really really good um little project here um little duo projects um i'm trying to i'm trying to think it's probably yeah it's probably ian's best project so far honestly i feel like um he's uh, he's always come through with some good stuff um i don't know what his uh I don't know if he's like still with JAMLA or not, but um, this seems uh, from some somewhere different, um, and obviously it's just uh, yeah, just there was no no word of it from you know Jammer's side, so I'm assuming it's an independent release on maybe Drew's front, and Ian Kelly's on it or whatever. But either way, really solid. Um, got Jane Hancock on it, Amen a few times. Uh, was that His, uh, Isaiah something? <laughs> it just says that in the it says that in the credits. So I can't even uh, f- I can't even find out Isaiah Mustafa. There you go. So um, got there as well. And uh, yeah, really, really, uh, really good project. Um, just from back to front. Um, no f- nothing that kind of like stands out, but the whole but the 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 plateau is really high for me personally. I really really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, so yeah, just over half an hour. Really solid project. <laughs> Uh Lady Don Lee, uh spelled D-O-N-L-I, uh Pan African rock star. Uh, another project, about half an hour. Um I think it's the first time I've spun her work. Probably one of those eyes I just see somewhere and I just, you know, just straight follow, don't even think twice and when if they drop, they drop, if they don't, they don't. Um and yeah, this is a really solid project. Um, I really like the mix of, you know, pop and rock and afro beat, um, just a, just a really good mixture. Um, really enjoyed, um, really enjoyed that uh, whole project. Um, good, good mix, good mix. Uh, got some nice poppy tunes, got a couple of rocky tunes in the you know to link with the rock star element. I mean, uh, it <laughs> starts off with number one, motherfuckers, just uh, it's great. Um, but yeah, some really good, uh, really good sounds on here. Really enjoyed it. Uh, mother of Earth, Aligned with nature's intelligence. Um, really enjoyed this record. Um, shout to Brownswood Recordings for this one, uh, independent label in the UK. And um, mother, Mother of Earth, uh, obviously spelled M U V A of Earth, by the way. And um, yeah, it's a really good kind of um, vocal. Spoken word, half spoken words, jazz projects, um, great mixture of um, just uh, of of nice soothing sounds and her voice is just impeccable, Um, great uh, additions on the feature side and uh, yeah, it's just, um, you know, along with the likes of Adrian Monet, I think a really good one of those, um, you know, spoken words, kind of jazzy, but got other things going on there as well. Really solid project. Really enjoyed it. Really calming. Uh, what have we got next? Jazzy Shavers' Voyage to Surrender. Um, so I remember spinning Jazzy Shavers when she did uh, Carolina Soul with uh, Tavaris Jordan last year. Really enjoyed that project in particular. Um, don't I think it was in my EP list last year? Think it was. Um, I have to look back on that. But regardless, really liked the project. And um, this is a I, I I don't know if this is her first album or anything like that, just uh, having a look, but uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, probably, probably not, who knows, (laughs) but regardless, it's a good album uh, nevertheless, Um, there's some really good stuff on here, really like her um, her blend of R&B, contemporary R&B, Polyester the Saint comes on here as well, Uh, Josh Waters' Grimlin on Love Me, really love that track. Um, But yeah man, I think this is our first album and and I don't know really, Um, it's only 28 minutes so I'm kind of on the fence of if it's even an album because 10 tracks, 28 minutes, kind of EP territory um, as are a lot of these albums which is kind of starting to piss me off, um, starting to get into that grey area and it's starting to piss me off, Uh, please say whether your shit's an EP or an album please, that'd be great. Uh, For future reference, uh, John Alone, no one is coming to save you. This is um, an artist I've uh, been kind of like waiting on for a few, for about a year-ish in change. Um, Went to his, uh, he does a great, um, well, he has his own independent, I guess, label in a a lonely world. And he does, he does, um, he does, you know, showcase uh, shows around London not in- just including himself, obviously, but including other artists. Um, I went to one of them at Selena Camden last year, um, off the kind of like a invitation, I guess, uh, to uh, interview a friend of Five e uh, Treasure Bloom. Um, but yeah, we we did that interview, and then we went to the Lon- Lonely World show where he performed, as did John Alone, um, who headed up the whole event. And uh, yeah, just been waiting on this album for a while, and was interested in seeing in seeing just how he would fare um he has this vocal inflection that kind that i can not I can only describe as whiny um at times uh, especially with you know the first track go to hell you get that and that's not my steez i'm not into that vocal inflection overall but the deeper the album goes the more different it, go- it gets and he you know really um explores he really gets gets experimental he does a bit of rap on here he does a uh, you know a uh, little different uh, different tones and different inflections and i uh, really respect that and uh, you know productions uh, different as well switches up um ov- uh, as it goes so yeah actually a very impressive little project um was uh, not expecting you know just uh, didn't really come in with any expectations but uh, yeah i was um, actually thoroughly surprised and thoroughly um entertained by the by the project itself um, so yeah give that a spin uh or a major fr- <coughs> Excuse me, friend of 5e or a major, um mama only son. Um going right back into his um uh, motivational bag, uh especially when you have something like uh, a <laughs> check here where which the whole uh, the whole uh, hook is him just shouting, Win the checky with the check and uh, yeah, you know, it's just it's just it's kind of um I guess it's kind of formulaic in some ways of just general subject matter, you know, hitting the gym, uh, getting the bag, motivation in general, you know what I mean, and uh, all that kind of stuff. But I think, um, it, you know, when it gets into stuff like answers, especially the last track, I really love that track, really uh, love the introspection on that. Uh, Super Hard is a good track. Uh, Check It, <laughs> while it... Uh, it, it okay, <laughs> I can I can imagine being fire live, so I can't really complain too much. <laughs> it's, it's it's an amazing track to me. Um, like seriously, is a solid track as well, worth as well. Uh, but yeah, really solid. A uh, uh, little don't know whether it's an album. Uh, Twenty nine minutes, uh, eleven tracks, kind of in the middle. Uh, but regardless, uh, another one that is literally just in that grey area of ten of nine tracks. And 29 minutes. Uh, Sanity's bruises to blossoms. Been really looking forward to this project. It's an EP? Is an album? We'll never know. Um. Uh. But yes, it is a very good project. Really enjoyed it. Um. Especially when it gets into Midlands child. Grass is greener. Love that track. Uh. Blossoms are forever, which is an amazing homage uh, to her mother. Uh. Late night banger. Shout to Blue Lab Beats and Melonix on that front. Love those two. Um, Camilla George on Bloom with that beautiful sax in the out- outro, absolutely banger. Um, but yeah, really good projects, really solid. Um, please make, please say it's an EP because um, the album list, <laughs> the album list is is getting chunky, and uh, I need some EPs to throw in. Uh, so hopefully she will, hopefully listen and just uh, you know say it's an EP because that'll be great. Uh, Beverly Knight, the fifth chapter. Beverly Nightman. Been around the block, uh, legend, especially in UK circles. Um, and it's just uh, nice to actually know she's still doing it, you know what I mean? She looks beautiful to this day. She is in her fifties, um, hence the term fifth chapter, and damn her voice is still so crispy. It is absurd how crispy her voice is. It's so it's so crazy how good her voice is. Um, the album itself is a kind of like a hodgepodge of just um, of of sounds from over the years, I guess. Like last one on my mind sounds like a club track from you know the kind of like the I don't know early twenty tens, um, and it kind of just goes on from there. You, you just you just hear thing. The production is kind of just. Here's the, here's a sound that you remember hearing way back, and you're just like, okay, it's in the album, I guess. Why not? Um, she's kind of a vessel uh, for writing here as well. She doesn't. Um, she she's uh, she's singing other people's lyrics on this front, um, which is fine. Um, she yeah. So you know she's a vessel, um, but just 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 the only positive I can take from it is that her voice is still top tier. And I'll take that and run with that. Uh, Georgia Smith, Fly- falling or flying. Um, been really interested in just um, how this album was sound. Um, you know, I, I didn't mind uh, Lost and Found uh, from 2018. God damn, it's been a while. Um, I feel like Lost and Found, the well, the first entitled track was the best track out of the bunch. I feel like that, that that was quintessential Georgia Smith at that point. Um, You know, connecting to stuff like Blue Lights, which was one of her first ever tracks. Um, uh, A nice flex I always like to say is that I saw Georgia Smith when she only had three tracks out. Um, And, you know, she's come through and she's obviously grown since then. Um, And I think her, you know, sound wise, I don't really know what her sound is anymore. Um, I feel like I knew that Back in 2018, but I don't really know what it is anymore. Um, I don't... Not to say I don't mind the production on here. I think the production is pretty solid overall. Um, some really good stuff here. You know, Feelings with Jay Huss. Really enjoyed that. Um, the title track is solid. Greatest gift with Lila IK Banger. Um, and the last track, What If My Heart Beats Faster. Best track out of the bunch for me. Um, I think her songwriting's you know, solid. You know, really, really solid. Can't complain. Um, but yeah... I don't know I just, I'm kind of you know I kind of in the middle here uh, with Georgia Smith I don't I don't know where what her place is anymore I don't I don't feel there's a usp about her at this point I don't know um, cuz I you know I've, I've been as I've explored music you know over the, especially R&B circles over you know since 2018 there's people that have you know similar voices to her but they're doing it different and I feel like there's a uniqueness to them, and I, I don't know, I don't know. But uh, I don't think this is, um, I don't think this is a, uh, uh I don't think this is a label release. I, I don't know, I don't know who Fam is. but if she, if it wasn't uh, an independent release, then that'd be great. Um, that's a gold star right there. But um, regardless, it's Georgia Smith. Um, is is it's solid. I can't complain. Uh, Cleo Soul back with another one. Damn! After two weeks, um, this one's gold and um. I can't. I don't really have any more superlatives for Cleo. So, um, and Inflow as a as a team, um, the production is meditative. Um, her voice is lush, and one of the best voices in the game right now. There is nobody um, more angelic, apart from maybe Neo in some ways. Um, but Jesus Christ, yeah, just slap it on, have a cry. Even though the first track is there will no be cry there'll be no crying have a cry man just just you know it just just it just let go just let go just have a cry. Uh Nick Grant Sunday dinner um really enjoyed Nick Grant's um evolution so far over the past few years um I didn't really listen to him in his early early days um you know he dropped a couple of albums in twenty seventeen and eighteen wasn't really listening to him at that point but you know I listened to um Welcome to Loveland last year and this one um, I really enjoyed both projects here. Um, and I feel like he he said uh, I like think he said on IG or something that this is his most personal album to date, and it's yeah, I can't really, I can't really uh, hate him on saying that because it is feel really does feel really personal. Um, first track is a really good start. Uh, worrying about a classic, where you know it's kind of talking about um you know, people are worrying about dropping classics when shit's going on, you know what I mean? And you lot are worried about classics when, you know, stuff is going on, real shit. And I I get that and I respect that. Um and it really just goes on from there. Um since elementary, um, All I Want, Eighties Parents, catch this fade, uh, this thing of ours, uh, heaven, last jam, just it's just a really, really good um, subject matter all over the spot. And um, I feel like, you know, if J. Cole did something of this nature, people will be saying, go, go, go. Um, so, you well, know, don't get controversial. Just just saying, listen, I'm just saying, listen to this album. It's a good one. I feel like people are sleeping on Nick Grant. Um, I was sleeping on Nick Grant and now I'm awake and I feel like, you know, Nick Grant's got some good subject matter all over the all over the shop so i um, just wanting to just throwing that out there um juni friend of ivy juni uh what happened to you little ep um doing bits constantly um dropping tracks here and there on a band camp and this one's a little four track ep very very short um kind of just vignettes if anything it's only just over five minutes um but uh i'm always here for some juni magic and lastly kamal williams with stings um I wasn't really into his last album, Wu Hen, uh, for, I forget the reason, it was 2020, but uh, I remember not enjoying it too much, Um, but this one, oh, such good, such good variety on here, Last Symphony with Miguel Atwood Ferguson, tune, lovely, lush, The Governor, banger, uh, Stings, the title track is great. Dogtown, which is the longest track on out uh, of the bunch, is probably the best track out of the bunch, which, as jazz albums go, is always a W for me. If your longest track is your best track, I feel like that's prob- that, that will take you a long way for me, personally. Um, really love the just the... And there's a lot of funky elements here, a lot of um, orchestral elements, and just uh, stuff in the middle as well. Um, it's just a really good... Um, Really good variety. And on the Volume 2, on well, here on Tidal anyway, it's, it's technically 10 tracks, but there's also The Last Symphony slash Ma- uh, Magnolia. And then there's Magnolia 2 uh, with uh, the likes of uh, Theo Croker and who else is that? And Corey Funville. Um, it's the same track, it's Magnolia, um, but it, c- it comes with some bars and and some additional elements as well. And I, I just like that. I respect that. Um, I respect the addition um. The and the and the uh kind of kind of like a remix, if anything. Um. To to put it lightly. So uh, yeah. With that said, um. We jump into our first, UK BHM of twenty twenty three, is UK Black History Month in the month of October. We are recording this on the first of October, and um, we are covering, um, the first, the first person to take hip hop UK hip hop um, on its shoulders, uh, on his shoulders and try and carry it into the mainstream, uh, one and only Derek B. Um, and this is an interesting, uh, <laughs> musically very interesting and story and story-wise very interesting. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> it was, it was, it was very interesting just, uh, 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 dive into the, the world of Derek B, albeit short from a musical perspective, and um, has um, and, and was, uh, you know, well, passed away in, I think, 09 of a heart attack, so uh, no longer with us, unfortunately, but an um, uh, interesting uh, snapshot, especially of where UK hip-hop was in the late 80s. So, with that said, Ben, what have you got for us on this one?
0: Yeah, yeah, Derek B., very interesting. Never, had never heard of Derek B. before. Not the long-lost cousin of Eric B., Uh, Derek B. So, (laughs) first up... But, 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 was in his, but was
1: in the circles, in the same circle. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, I want to read a quote from a pretty obscure 1980s Australian hip-hop magazine. They interviewed Derek B. in 1989 during his first world tour, okay? He says 1989, and he was touring the world. He says... I'm not in this only for the money, but to make a social comment to the next generation to say that we can change things and it doesn't have to be violent. We need more recognition for black people, more black politicians, and so on. So, you know, Derek B not only was one of the first UK rappers to achieve pop success, he paved the way for so many UK rappers who managed to earn a living off their art. And a huge part of that was his international appeal. And we will get into that because listening to the music is... As Charlie said, it is quite jarring. Um, But his legacy is forever cemented via Good Groove and Bad Young Brother, both of which propelled his debut album, Bullet From a Gun, to number 11 on the UK charge, which is pretty incredible. Now, he was the first UK rapper to land a top 20 chart hit, first UK rapper to appear on Top of the Pops, first UK rapper to have an album remain on the UK album chart for over two months. He even became the first UK rapper to appear in Smash Hits. And Smash Hits, man anyone out there is like oh shit smash is a banger of a magazine like it was incredible it's just like all it was was just pictures of your favorite artists so you just like take the staples out of the middle and then just plaster your wall with just stuff i, I did it i did it i my entire bedroom was covered in smash hits posters so he was also there's a lot of first he was the first uk rapper to appear at wembley stadium first uk rapper to have a management deal with a u.s company he was uh that was a legendary rush artist management um i also have to assume he's the first rapper to write a, a rap song for a premier league team because despite supporting west ham he wrote anfield rap red machine in full effect which liverpool released before the final of the fa cup in may 1988 which is a game they subsequently lost to wimbledon So he may have been the first UK rapper to cost the team the FA Cup. So he's just like so many firsts. Very, very, very many firsts. Now, his musical upbringing upbringing was very vast. Um, His mother and father were uh, from Trinidad. And whilst reggae was played, it wasn't played as much as rock music and soul music. Now, he said apparently he loved The Who, along with Al Green, Aretha Franklin, Bob Marley. He told an interviewer, soul music appealed to him most when he transitioned into making his own music, because the emotions it can evoke made it unique. That's how he felt. And you got to remember, like as I, I read that quote out at the start, yes, Derek B was a commercial rap success, absolutely, and he paved the way for and a lot of UK rappers. Not a lot, but I've definitely heard his name mentioned. Now that we're doing uh, this in October, the the research I've been doing for some of the other artists, they do mention Derek B, but it wasn't just about making pop hits you know as he said he wants his music to have a message he wants his music to uplift he wants to be a positive force and he was and you know he began djing in his mid-teens and this became his first introduction into the industry he told a magazine in 1989 that all djs are frustrated musicians Uh, we're all technology kids we all make the technology work for us because we're not true musicians you know we've spoken about it for quite a few times on this pod. of you know for example just blaze artists who producers who would just like get onto the technical side of things. Um, They would take apart things and put them back together and learn about how circuits are made and all this stuff like it was very important them for them to be on top of the technology and that's why Derek B is that way and this is why I love the UK scene so much because the origin of Derek B and some of his contemporaries was so vastly different to the US where rock really propelled commercial hip-hop after the initial run of Rappers Delight and The Message you know LL, Beastie Boys etc but in the UK it was actually electronic music it was drum and bass so in the same interview Derek B says I produced all or co-produced all the tracks of my first album. It was very much an experimental album. I was still making the transition from club DJ to recording artist and producer. So it was a learning process all the way. I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know how to get to it. So he learned to DJ alongside DJ Froggy D and began performing live in local venues. From here, he progressed to the legendary pirate radio scene. He worked with Kiss FM and LWR before joining UK rap history, of course, by creating his own station, WBLS. Now, his story of success happened very quickly in relative terms. His work in Pirate Radio gave him a deep knowledge of new music, especially music coming out of the US. And this appealed to Simon Harris, who hired Derek B to help him license US material, US music, and work on the Def Beats 1 collection for Harris's label. So you gotta think about like, Derek B was a DJ and you know, he's part of Pirate Radio. So he's very, very tapped into the US scene. And by connecting with Simon Harris, this created this bridge between the UK and the US. And we'll talk about how, why that was so important to Derek B's career in a second. Um, But really, you know, the compilation that Def Beats 1 collection, it was short one song, so Derek B. created the track Rock the Beat and set in motion the wheels of mainstream UK hip-hop. They pressed it up into a single, and it blew up. It was getting love from BBC London, Tim Westwood. Um, It actually allowed him to remix work from Eric B. and Rakim, as well as other US rappers. Now, at the time, he was rapping with a US accent, which may explain why in 1989 with that Australian hip hop magazine I quoted right at the start, Derek B said, London were nowhere near as excited to see him live as the rest of the world. Derek B thought that it may be because the London crowd is jealous of what he's done. That's actually a direct quote. Other sources said that his American accent was viewed upon poorly by some but forgotten by most, which I found interesting. There's even a really passionate blog post by Ghost Gunner defending Derek B's legacy as a hero of the UK rap scene, stating that just because he was embraced by the US doesn't mean he has neglected the UK. Now, there's absolutely no debating his legacy. It is solidified. The number of firsts he's responsible for is incredible, very rare, like a true pioneer. That first single, Rock the Beat, went so well that Derek B. actually followed it up with Good Groove" and Bad Young Brother among a couple of other singles and remix 12 Inches. Now that duo of those two songs, both produced again by Simon Harris, propelled Derek B. to icon status. From here, he leapt into a record deal with Polygram, which allowed him his own vanity label, Tough Audio, which in fact might be the first ever vanity label in UK rap. Um, I'd be very curious to see if there were any others um, and the first ones in the US as well obviously they were probably a lot earlier but like you know we know Vanity Labels now very very ubiquitous in hip hop but the stage was set and when he linked up with Rush Management he told Vapors in 1989 Of course I want to break it in the USA and I know it's hard, but Rush will give me more of a chance there and all the rap crews help each other out. It's like a big family because everybody's in it together. That's why everyone gets credit on the album sleeves. I'm not afraid of commercial success if it comes along. I'm working my ass off for it anyway. So obviously he was looking to blow up. Now it's a foreign concept to us now I think for a UK rapper not to rap in a UK accent purely because UK rap to me anyway is at an all time high peak of quality especially higher than the US at the moment and a UK accent is no barrier to success right now whatsoever but at the time of the 1980s commercial rap it, was, it wasn't really viable in New York and LA already so why would it be viable in London like we've heard so many stories about artists from this, this era really struggling to make ends meet from hip-hop so you think about it in london it was going to be even worse and you know it was common for, for example for mainstream australian rappers to rap in american accents all the way up until the mid 2000s and i'm sure it earned them quite a lot of ire from the local scenes but those local scenes were so small it didn't stop them from succeeding at all so for derek b to achieve all the first he did i guess the question might be asked would he have achieved them without an American accent? Um, and I'm curious, Charlie, did like, ask you that question. Like, do you think that that would have, you know, if he didn't have the American accent, would he have achieved all the things he achieved? Yeah, it's a good question.
1: Well, that's a, That's a, you know, $64,000 question, is it not? Um, I, you know, there's, there's, there's people like myself that, Uh, you know, see it as a bit cringe, to be honest, um, to to look back at it and to see um, UK artists trying to mimic what the US artists were doing in, you know, I I guess it's it's the limit, right? Um, So I don't know if you want to jump right into the album and just how it sounds and whatever, but um, (laughs) it's so funny um, because... I feel like people people talk about i I now, I feel. And maybe this is because Roddy P is still alive, um, and Derby isn't. Uh maybe there's that factor um of just, you know, uh people that uh in some cases, obviously, you know, Tupac and Biggie being exclusionary on this front. But, you know, people that are alive, you know, have the more opportunity to just uh, you know, actually stay in within the uh stay within the 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 stay within the eye of people that actually care about it. Um and people just and some people just get forgotten. Not that I'm saying therapy's getting forgotten. But anyway, um you know I see I can I, I compare it to someone like London Posse where, you know, they were kind of just had they had that um they had that uh UK sound, I guess, and actually tried to make, you know, how someone sounded in London over rap, right, and and, and the over over hip hop beats, and B was trying to you know perform, um, in the in a, in a case that might be, uh, more palatable to a US audience, right, and, you know, we've done you know we've done episodes on you know the likes of Money Love and she was British, um, you know, obviously. You know, Slick Rick, and which we haven't done, by the way. We had, I can't believe no. we haven't done a Slick Rick episode. Yet. I don't know. We really, should <laughs> Can't can't wait for Ben to lobby that after this October. Um. So yeah, but you know, I I I wonder. And answering your question, it's it's always that's that's the question, isn't it? If he just sounded like he sounded, and you know, in and this is this is what kind of jars me when I was listening to him. He cu- He kind of jumped in and out of it. Where he sounded kind of British. It's it's like um, you know, it's like it's 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 the it's the equivalent of watching old Hollywood films, and they all speak in that King's English, right? Not quite, you know, just regular English, right? Because you know, go watch something like um, you know, Alfie with Michael Caine, um, The Italian Job with Michael Caine, or just you know, just general. British works, Ken Loach films, for example, if you want examples. Um, And then you watch, you know, Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, and, you know, just old golden age, quote unquote, Hollywood films. And they all speak like this, kind of English, but kind of mid-Atlantic as well. Not exactly British, but not exactly American either. It's really weird. It's kind of polished, and it's somewhere in the middle. And I feel like B does something in the middle. And, for me, personally, that just enjoy, I don't know, uh, <laughs> you know, impersonation and and even, you know, how actors, you know, when British actors put on an American voice, it fascinates the fuck out of me, the way that we can do it. And, you know, it can't actually be done that well on the other side. And it's kind of interesting. I've no, I've, I don't know why they can't do it. They they can't just do the British accent. But they just really suck at it. It's kind of funny. Um Please keep trying, guys, America. Please, please keep trying for my comedy. But um, yeah, it's it's weird. But I just feel if he was gonna do it, do it. But he didn't do it. He kind of stepped to half a foot in there, and that's kind of what jars me personally. Um, but yeah, in no a question, I mean, shit. Nah. Like <laughs> M- maybe, maybe just pe- maybe just the Americans appreciated how you know dedicated he was towards it. Um, Towards to actually trying to bring British hip hop to a cer- uh, to a certain audience, because um, you know, I'd, the, obviously other people tried, Cookie Crew tried, um, Money Love and Slick Rick tried and succeeded in some ways, but that was kind of more in a assimilation kind of way, um, and obviously Derek B tried to assimilate, but also bring it back here. Um and in some ways he succeeded, i guess, and like I said in the beginning, you know try to take u k hip hop and put it on his shoulders um and carry it into the mainstream, which he you know in some ways he'd succeed um but yeah, the vocals mm, yeah i'm always i'm i'm always fifty fifty on it to be honest uh it's not for me but uh i can imma- i can imagine the reasoning for doing so um instead of just talking like you talk instead
0: yeah yeah no i think that's fair and yeah slick rick's a very interesting case i'm very um i'm curious to dive into that at some point um but i mean one of the defining characteristics of derek b was that he was very london you know a lot of his slang terms were quite london London london-esque and so yeah that's why he kept a foot on both sides, I guess. And I guess we could get into Bullet From A Gun, which is his only album. Um, once a deal with rush management was sorted and he'd secured a US side to his career, the stage was set for him to drop this album. Simple 10 tracks, Derek B is listed as producer alongside Simon Harris and Alan Scott. Uh, It was Derek B.'s first real introduction to production. He told Vi Marshall in 1989 that he committed to learning as much about production as possible, stating his first true lessons are there on the album. The transition from DJ to producer is not the easiest in the world. I mean, we could just ask Large Professor about that. I hope people understand that. But Derek B. was first and foremost a DJ and through mixing he began to create his own sounds his own beats he actually lists bentley's in kenningtown as the club that helped him his most in his transition from dj to producer he said that um he would work there a lot and kind of try out new sounds during his uh performances there and this is where you know he created his sound and the album blew up it really did in terms of uk rap it went number nine on the uk albums chart And through his deal with Rush Management and then Profile Records, it actually allowed him to tour with Public Enemy and Run DMC to promote the album, which pushed it even further into hip-hop history. And I will tell you something, something shocking. Something shocking. Zane Lowe said Bullet From A Gun was a massive album for him. A massive album. Higher praise from Zane Lowe does not exist. This is one step up from This Is A Good Album a massive album so Zane Lowe man it's a very pivotal album to Zane Lowe and where would we be without Zane Lowe where would hip hop discourse be without Zane Lowe so Derek B man tell you what a lot of influence get (laughs) laid at so look This album paved the way. In the same way now I'm like Blueprint 2, open the door to hip-hop for me, irrespective of its quality, I'm always going to list that album as pivotal to me. Now, most sources I've read who look back at the album and its reception say that some people were turned off by the accent, but multiple UK artists list that as truly influential in their own careers. During Get Down, he directly addresses it. He gives thanks to rappers across the ocean for giving him a chance and teaching him how to rap that way. And I will say this, you know, as Charlie said before, Charlie is obviously going to pick up on the intricacies of the accent. I'm not. Um, if you had played this album for me and didn't tell me Derek Beaver was from the UK, I would have just said he was from New York, like genuinely. I, I would never have guessed that he was a UK pioneer. And I, I do think that robs the album of a bit of, not relevance at all, but maybe nostalgia. I'm not 100% sure because it is truly pioneering, but only because it came from a UK artist and outside of rock the beat and a couple of other beats on here i don't think the album sounds like it's from the uk maybe sonically derek b lyrically absolutely regularly speaks about the uk and london he speaks on his accent he speaks openly about a lot of things actually he's quite a frank and honest record and he's actually an incredibly engaging mc like the i enjoy the album a lot like i really do i enjoyed it i listened to it back to back to back to back I just kept playing it. And for an album that was so clearly designed to chart um, that Derek B eradicated his own accent, he did pack a lot of great lyrical content into it. And I think the production thrives too. You know, if we are gonna judge it against its US counterparts, I guess the point of difference is the number of different sounds and areas Derek B's production pulls from. Rock the Beat is obviously a remnant from his German bass days. It's quite dancey, like so much of UK rap was in the late 80s. Uh, All City is just a rap rock track Think of it It feels like Funky Cold Medina Like genuinely Get Down has rock elements But actually sounds like It could have been a hit song in 2023 With the way that the mainstream Is like destroying guitar based beats right now Like it definitely sounds like Something like that And not in a bad way I'm saying that you know Nowadays it's just like, someone goes on YouTube and searches for guitar-based hip-hop beat. Like, it's very lame. But I don't also don't think his vocal tones stay consistent across the album. He almost has this low-key, slick Rick quality where each song takes on a new meaning based on what vocal tone Derek B. employs. And, yeah, I, I found it really interesting. I really did. Maybe he was being inspired by different rappers. Maybe I don't know enough about the 80s scene. Maybe he sounds like a lot of U.S. rappers. Um... Yeah, man. Look, I enjoyed the album. I really did. I, I thought it was pretty great. I'm curious to see how you felt about it, Charlie. See, this is one of those
1: uh, projects where I would much, much rather hear from someone that actually was there when it dropped. Yeah, not yeah. Just my and not just me because yeah, like, I can't I I can't get into it. Like it is it's a like you said, his vocals are inconsistent in terms of tone. Like it, it, and obviously you, know, you know, correctly mentioned. I can pick it up better than most because obviously where I'm at. But it, it does. It's really jarring. <laughs> it's, it's really fucking jarring, right? Um. With that said, I don't mind uh, the lyrical aspect. I, you know, there are some, there are some moments in there that just make me chuckle because they're so fucking eighties. It's, it's just hilarious to me. Um, I love this bit in um. Oh, fuck, which track is this? Uh, On Bad Young Brother. Uh, <laughs> this is great. Oh, all right. uh, I got honours, masters, PhD, and a Nobel Peace Prize for my rap. And Derek B's got a Grammy Award for his scratch. We dress all in black, never ever touch crack. We wear fresh fly Adidas. Not Nike, they're whack. Black 501's Versace leather jacket. When we do any jams, we always pack it. Like royalty will be around forever Like Lennon and McCartney Were perfect together I know like bass drum We sound real good The beat keeps dropping The way it should The 1200s are spinning My managers grinning My mum's so proud of me uh, Now that I'm winning This is It's it's cute. <laughs> it's cute. You know what I mean? It's, 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 I I'm, I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's cute. It's, I, I find it very endearing um, to just... Uh, it sounds like a young dude from just some... You know, just... It's it's like... It is like just listening to rap now where they're... You know, you're listening to someone who's like 18 and they're just rapping about shit and it's just braggadocio. And it's just... Yeah, I mean, it's just fun. It's just fun. Um, from a hip hop perspective, it is is that childish braggado show, And I'm here for that. I f- I find that very enjoyable. And there's plenty of that everywhere on here. Um, if I t- if I if you if you didn't know this was uh, dropped in 1988, Ben, um, what year would you think it was dropped?
0: Well, it feels like a bit. It's a bit tough because, as I say, I didn't know it was a UK album. So if I if I listened to it. So I would have said it sounded pretty futuristic for something from New York because there was just a bit of diversity in the production, you know. It just felt like a little bit different to me. So I would say, oh, maybe like early 90s. But again, because, you, you know, early a lot of early 90s hip-hop albums just sounded like late 80s. I don't think it would get past 94 for me um, but if you told me it was a UK hip hop album, I would have said probably late eighties because I feel like they were way more experimental and more diverse with the production that they had on their albums in the eighties. That's just what I think. That's a very interesting perspective, actually. Um For me, it
1: it fe- <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't it feels kind of just mid eighties. Doesn't feel eighty eight, it feels like eighty like '84, something like that, right? But then again, I'm looking. At, I'm just. I'm just looking up quickly. Um, you know, '88 albums uh, dropped. Uh, hip hop albums, and you know, obviously, you know, noble ones. You know, we mentioned Adventures of Slick Rick, right? And I guess, it, it, yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting point you make. Um, because obviously there are there, there are plenty of elements here where I'm listening to it and i feel like oh right so he's just doing he's just uh, he's just doing uh us shit right production wise um i think get down literally i think it's get down uh has this ha- at the start basically rips off um uh rock the bells LL Cool j um just has that same <laughs> just that iconic that iconic uh, you know beginning and I don't know, how, I don't know how I feel about it, right? And I feel like it comes that that comes up a lot, um, in 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 this album. Where I'm just listening to it, and I feel like, mm, he's 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 taking a sign, he's taking a sign here, and, uh, and there's moments in where there's just the blatant sampling and uh, uh, stuff like um, there's a lot of Jackson Five uh, samples in here as well. Uh, not even hating on it, right, but. I do, now that you say that, I do find it interesting thinking about it. Because I was, I was thinking, you know, mid 80s, but, you know, I'm looking at stuff like, you know, follow the leader, takes the nation to millions, long live the cane, strictly business, uh, run DMC's tougher than leather, which I feel like is a very good, um, very good uh, uh, connection. Um, and they actually have Derek B on here as well. Um, May 16th and May 17th was actually run DMC's tougher than leather. That's an interesting couple of days, eh? Um, so yeah, you know, now that you say that, I'm, I'm, f- and obviously the uh, the futuristic element that you mentioned, I do find that interesting, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to uh, uh, what's the impromptu add that to my, to my, uh, to my critique here, um, because at the same time in the UK, you know, we did um, Soul to Soul um, for a Hip Hop Neighbors episode, I think um and you know, the likes of cold cut as well and it, you know, also cut. Harris as well yeah cold yeah. cut yeah cold cut yeah, cool. yeah yeah, yeah. You, you know cold cut right yeah cold yeah. cut yeah cold cut so um you know for those I, mean, <laughs> I, I i i can't describe cold cut to be honest Um, but they they they've been around for a while like they they've been around for a ton of time um, and they st- and they're still dropping shit Um, they did a really good um they did a really good album a few a couple of years ago with a bunch of, um, uh, the likes of actually Tony Allen, legendary drummer. Um, and it was all part of this group called Kelly Ketla. Um, K-E-L-E, uh, Kelly, K-E-T-L-A. So give that a spin. Very good. There's a track called International Love Affair, which is absolutely goaded. I love that track to death. Still on my regular rotation. And, um yeah you know cold cut's been still doing shit still doing bits in my mind and now that you're now that you said that in terms of the mix of elements obviously the dance elements you you mentioned the the pop sampling that the likes of cold cut do um here we go tot cold cut from 19 they've been eight, they've been oh, since 86 they're doing they're still doing shit um and you know they they basically took UK electronic dance music, you know, to uh, higher heights um, and also sampled the likes of hip-hop, soul and funk, right? So, you know, big up gold- cold cut on that. Might, uh, that might be a good um, hip-hop neighbours one day. Um, but anyway, uh, going back, yeah, I get what you mean in terms of the futuristic element. I don't think um, the likes of even, you know, Bomb Squads and uh, uh, Marley Marle, they weren't sampling from the likes that Derek B was taking. Now, don't get it twisted, Derek B was also taking the same stuff that they were doing, but they, but he did bring something else, I think, more original to that. So, with that said, I will give some respect to the production here. While I'm not too into it, from a, just from a retrospective standpoint, and um, I'm still like I said, not into his vocal inflection. Cause if you're going to do it, do it properly. Like, you know, like actors do. Um, I, I see inconsistency. I, I feel and hear inconsistencies when I'm listening to it. Cause it's like, like you Eric said, Banner movie. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Mr. Egg Bang. Was it Ben is is his uh, title name. I forget. Um, uh, I gave that, I, t- I told Ben his full name. He was like, really? Oh wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, Blue Rock rocks Ben's world on that night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, literally great example, right? Just not quite getting it. Just, uh, just needs a little bit more work. Um, and even when he's doing it properly, the fact that he's saying British isms and Londonisms kind of throws you out of the kind of throws you out of it. For me anyway, obviously. Um so I'm 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 very 50-50 on the album and I don't really know how I I mean I do know a couple of um people that are around at this time around tip of this time I might give a I might give T-Max a message or my boy uh, Martin uh, a message just to ask him uh what uh that's that's an inside joke um ask him what uh what what they, how they felt about Derek B because of the uh, obviously, the like you mentioned, the uh, the accent is kind of was kind of shunned um, at a certain point. But like you said, he chatted. <laughs> he he chatted very well. fucking well. He he did a ton of firsts, and that can't be forgotten. So it, it's it's um it's kind of I'm I'm kind of on a it's it's kind of like a <laughs> it's kind of like a Drake issue to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just I'm, I'm kind of making connections here i feel like derrick b was just drake before drake because drake just hopping on shit and and chance because of it i feel um and you people say oh he's evolving and i'm just like no he's just hopping on whatever's hot right now And and you know fine whatever but don't don't Let's call a spade a spade, please. It's not act like he's, you know, uh, uh, an evolutionary genius from a music standpoint. Like he's not trying to, he's not blowing any, uh, he's not making any new sounds. He's Drake like, copies. oh, this is hot right now? Drake Let copies. me make an
0: album from that. If you're saying that Drake copies. is influential, you're wrong. Drake is influenced and he copies whatever's hot and he hops on it and he's big. So he lifts it to a new level and great, but he's not influential. He is a follower.
1: Exactly. Right. So glad we got that out of the way um and i feel like derby is kind of in that kind of in a similar realm i guess i i i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to live think it but uh yeah i mean the al- the albums are very it's it's not something i'm going to listen to um you know casually at any point but educationally i think it's a very very fascinating time capsule i think it's a very um interesting um uh, uh account Um, For where UK hip-hop was at that point, Um, I forgot which track in particular, but he mentions the likes of um, uh, Soul to Soul and, um, unfortunately, Tim Westwood um, in in his track. And, you know, he, in that particular track, I think it was We've Got the Juice, um, he, you know, he's bigging up the whole scene at that point. And that was the whole scene at that point, right? Uh, He's bigging up the notable names. And it's not lost on me that he tried to, like I said, put hip, UK hip hop on his shoulders, and um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a very very interesting uh, time capsule. I I there, I have qualms with the album itself, um, you know, retrospectively, um, but I can't I can't deny it's I can't deny it's a uh, it's definitely a flashpoint. It's certainly a flashpoint in UK hip hop history.
0: Yeah, I think in, yeah, I I do understand the Drake thing, the Drake connection kind of doing what you need to do to succeed commercially. Um, And I do think that that's, yeah, that's what happened in this circumstance. And, you know, we've spoken in, in previous episodes about UK artists who did have the, the u.s accent in in lieu of their own accent being not as well accepted in um you know back home when that happens so yeah no it's 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 an interesting discussion um and we never got a follow-up to this album he does allude to one in interviews uh during the vine marshall piece in 1989 he actually even explained the process for the new album he says i carry my file of facts with me wherever i go i love that file of facts um, I had a file of facts. We all had a file of facts at one point when we were younger um, of, of a certain age, of a certain vintage. Uh, and he continues, he says, if what starts like the beginnings of a new song come in my head, I scribble it down. Um, He actually said he wrote a bunch of songs that he had to scrap when he decided to pivot into a new direction when pressed on what that direction was. He said, it's hard to say really, there's going to be a few political raps, that's for sure, but overall I'd like there to be an urgency in the new stuff. When I think of a new song, I usually get the basis of my idea down in about four hours. I like to do things as quickly as possible because otherwise you just lose the momentum. But the album never came out. Uh, He focused for a while on his label, Tough Audio, telling Vine Marshall that he was always on the lookout for talented artists to sign, and he actually spoke about the releases he was readying to drop. In other interviews, he speaks about consciously stepping away from Tough Audio in the very early 90s. His more political direction on the second album may have been sparked by his work with World in Action, who produced a documentary diving into systemic racism in Britain. During the documentary he said, "We're black people in a white society, they can see no way of getting on. No one is there to speak for us. The importance of political rap music is that it gives kids pride that have no other medium to give it to them. They need to get positive messages about their race, their color, their creed. Now, The Independent wrote a long reaching piece on him in 2009, which is well worth reading. And it's something that's been a vital resource in this episode. Now they claim the end of his solo music career was simply due to loss of interest in the UK due to his American accent. Now they, I assume they were claiming that he didn't hit hard enough in the US to sustain his career. And he didn't have enough of a core fan base in the UK to sustain it over there either. So he kind of got stuck between the two countries. Now the independent said, You've Got to Look Up, which was his final single for his label in 1990, uh, when it failed to chart that it signaled the end for Derek B as a solo artist. Instead, he worked with The Cookie Crew and a host of other artists um, with remixes and production, and then nothing really happened. 1990 was the final release on Tough Audio. It was the final solo release from Derek B. There will be a remix EP in 1993, a few credits, some work with Eric B and, as I said, The Cookie Crew, Uh, on born this way which i have in on cassette It's, it's in my cassette deck right now very excited about that um and then he left the spotlight entirely and there's basically nothing i can find from like 1991 onwards until his tragic passing in 2009 he was just 44 years old and you know i was a bit shocked i will admit that i'd never heard of him before but obviously my uk introduction began with dizzy um you know dizzy mike skinner or kano etc. So like if they didn't say it in a song I wasn't aware of it And I think Derek b's influence has slightly underrated given how like not from personal experience Just given how little information there is out there how few interviews or retrospectives there are or even reviews You know he came through at a moment when uk rap was expanding, expanding sorry into the actual mainstream like the pop mainstream the proper mainstream and he was right at the forefront of that the the number of firsts that Derek B has is proof that he was at the pinnacle of UK mainstream rap in the late 80s and early 90s and yeah I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for that and as I say not from personal experience just because I don't read that much about him there's not that much information about him you know
1: yeah and um you know there's one easy fix um that I believe there was one easy fix uh to 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 you Know, indeed, yourself more to the UK audience, and uh, that is stop speaking American. Ah, so nice and easy, but um, in all seriousness, um, by the way, uh, in, uh going back a little bit, um, I meant to say it's before, before I started the uh, uh monologuing. Um, I, I find it so fascinating that Ben's hatred of uh, Zane Lowe is because of his lack of superlatives in a world where everyone. Uh, overloads on superlatives.
0: <laughs> it's just it's interesting critique. <laughs> but the problem with Zane Lowe, right? No, no, no. The problem is his content is just as deep as the people overloading with superlatives to, to hide their lack of content. So Zane Lowe doesn't even have the superlatives. He has the lack of content and the lack of superlatives. He has a lack of everything. He has a lack of interest. He's boring. He's useless. He's a brick wall. ...that you throw a tennis ball against and it bounces back. That's all he is. It's very boring.
1: I'd love to have like an actual conversation with Zaidlo ...just to see what it's like. <laughs> just, 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 to, just to see like... ...how much I have to carry or anything like that. Just, oh, just be so fascinated just to
0: have a conversation. So Charlie, you're a human. Tell me about that. <laughs> you have hair, Charlie, oh, I noticed. Tell me about your hair, Charlie... I like your hair. It's good to have hair. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fuck. Oh gosh. Anyway. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, I think um when it comes to the uh, have seen he it, said Eric B. Uh, a lot of it, a lot easy easy to slip that. Yeah. Uh, I think you did as well actually. Um but yeah, it's <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's an interesting I think career for Derek B. And I and I don't think his um, his, uh, fading out in the nineties is of his own volition. I just think people thought, but f- I think people f- saw UK hip hop, uh, in the nineties as a fad, um, to be honest, um, even, even the acts we've covered over the years, um, a lot of them just kind of, just kind of drift out, um, during the nineties for whatever reason. Ironically, at a point where U.S. hip hop, it uh, you know, takes leaps and bounds in literally every possible way, um, you'd think hip hop would get a, you know at least a slither of that, but um, they just never got the end. They just never got the battery put in their back, um, collectively, and I find that a bit sad. Um, it's only until you know, two thousands ish where, um, it starts getting up there in, in, but in different ways um our next episode will actually encompass that a little bit um but i just i just find it interesting that uh he didn't really see didn't really see a, 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 a an out a reason or an outlet to actually uh, to keep going and instead just to i don't know go what Felt easier, I guess, in just um, remixing and doing all that stuff. Uh, you know, go with what you know, right? He started off um, being the DJ and being on pirate radio. Um, so you know, go back to what you were, what you were good at. I guess you know what I mean. He, he was on Kiss FM for fuck's sake, like uh, that's that's when that that was before Kiss became what Kiss is now, which is just a uh, you know a um what do you want to call it. Um, a contemporary music station um stuff to I guess to rival the likes of um radio one um, but you know back then Kiss was a pirate radio and he was part of that and it was uh, it was significant um at that point uh, but it, it was literally um you know before it became uh, before it was a pirate radio after his after his pirate radio. It became the UK's first legal black and dance music specialist radio station. Um, And that was in 1990. Um, T-Max told me that in uh, my interview with him. And I found that very fascinating. And I do wonder whether, you know, the likes of Derek B could have pivoted into something like that. Um, uh, You know, Kiss is a little bit more homogenized these days. Um, You know, even though it has um, some, you know, harbours some good UK black talent on the radio side of things and the DJ side of things um, still does that very well Um, but yeah I I, I always wonder whether his pivot could have been um, uh, more substantial and not to the point where he literally just falls off the face of the earth until his death in 2009 which is very unfortunate Um, I do I do find that a bit uh, a bit sad to um have ones you know don't have to have their whole life on document on doc, uh, documented right but you know even just to have a pop-up here and there by like you know he you know did a couple of dj nights one year or like he said did some remixes one year but it seems so spotty and uh, I, fi- I always find that um, a little sad and uh but here's what it is and uh we still have the the, the genuine time capsule that is bullet from a gun and uh we can go off there and uh yeah in this I guess uh half hearted effort to document UK hip hop history as we go through the years here, um it's a it's a very significant one.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. We shall finish there. I'll be to a lighter night. Uh if you have anything Ben.
0: I figured out what's wrong with J. Cole. I figured out the problem. Figured out the problem. I was listening to Tiger and YG It's yesterday. fan base, so that's the answer. Right? No, 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 no. Let me just, let me just, <laughs> let me, <laughs> me just. Okay, look, let me just. So I was listening right, to Tiger. Let me cook, let me cook. Let I was listening to Tiger let yesterday, cook. right? And one of the songs, in the hook, Tiger says, she's munching on my dick, she's a munchkin. Which is just a stupid, Balls. you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a silly bar. But it's funny. I'm listening to him like, I'm like Shakespeare laughing. couldn't do that. I'm laughing along because Tiger has never set himself up as someone who is a deep conceptual intellectual rapper. Okay, he's just not. So when we get J. Cole saying, I'm old, but I'm still cutting edge like a bayonet, okay, maybe it's not as it's it might not even not even be as bad. It might might be a little bit better than well, there's the.
1: There's two t- in there, bro. There's a double, you know, bayonet, old, oh god. Yeah, but think Munch about it, man. You're just but not thinking about it, man.
0: If we put those two bars next to each other, I could not tell you objectively which one is better or worse. But in the same verse, right, in the same verse, Jake Cole just starts saying, I'm the greatest artist of all time. He FaceTimed me and asked for a feature and saw the face of death. I'm on your song. Your stream's going up. Not quite the Drake effect. Like It's just like, so don't tell us you're the greatest and then drop a line like, uh, I made a Millie like Bangladesh. Like, these are terrible bars. These are just... They're not terrible bars if they came from Tiger or Lil Yachty, but they're terrible from some And I do think it's a little bit unfair on J. Cole because I, I do think that he pushes this angle a lot in his music. He's like, you know, I'm... I'm a little bit above, he says it literally in this verse, I'm I'm such a great feature artist that people are terrified to hop on the same song, let alone the fact that Lil Yachty was on this song and rinsed him on it, but anyway, um, but I think J. Cole came into the game with punchlines, with silly punchlines, we were around 2010's rap, we know what it was like, we listened to the Dizzys, we listened to the Tiny Tempers, we listened to the Lil Wayne's, we listened to the Eminem's, we know what it was like, it was like that, So it's a bit unfair to criticize J. Cole for dipping back into that bag, but at the same time, you have presented yourself as an artist who has evolved into a new space, a more conceptual space, a more intellectual space. So when you hop back and just drop these really shitty bars, lame mid-tier bars, I'm still cutting edge like a bayonet, you know, that's something that I would expect to be on Lil Wayne's album. And that's the other side of it too. I'm not mad at Lil Wayne. I'm not going to get on here and say Lil Wayne is horrible. It's so discordant. The fact that he tells us he's so great, he's always rapped this content. He's done it his whole career. He hasn't, you know, he has occasional songs like "I Feel Like I'm Dying," "Pour Up." Um, you know, so many God bless, America, So many songs that are more conceptual more political more socially conscious but not whole albums he doesn't dip in he's not this is not t pab these aren't good kid mad cities these aren't kod's they're not for your eyes only so i think that's the problem with j cole it is very jarring when he says i'm cutting edge like a bayonet and then in the same song then goes on to say i am the most feared featured artist in the game people are terrified to hop on a song with me i'm like no I don't know that they. Anyway, that's just my thoughts. That's my thoughts. I think that that's why it is. I
1: th- I think it. I think it's two things for me personally. Um, the reason why I'm not quite into J Cole as much as I much as I was um, back in even university actually. I feel. Um, I, I don't know why I remember this day so vividly, but there was a day where I literally just listened to the J Cole mixtapes. I listened to the warm up, listened to Friday Night Lights, yeah. and. I re- it was a really good day. It's wow. just, it's just yeah. really, it was just a really it was a really good day. I went to a subway back when I hit up subways. Um no, they do that no more. But uh, you know, went I went to a subway, I just had a day on my own, you know what I mean? I just I just went to the subway, listened to some J. Cole, went back uh, to my to my accommodation, listened to some more J. Cole and it was just a nice couple of hours, man. It was just a really good few hours. I just spent the afternoon just um, you know, just dis- discovering an artist um basically. Um at that point I only listened to 2014 Forest Hills and yeah I was just like okay see what this is saying and you know I really enjoyed myself right um and you know I feel I probably still enjoy Warm Up and uh, Friday Night Lights if I listen to it now I still really really enjoy um his Dead Presidents 2 track um that's a that's one of my favorite Cole tracks out the bunch of yeah notes. he skates um really good really yeah. fucking good yeah um, top tier uh top tier and but with all that said, I feel like the one thing one thing that's really thrown me off him is the no name beef. Um, I feel that was like silly. Really, I, f- I don't think anybody has shown their ass yeah. in such a way um, like J Cole did. Like he really just took the mask off and it revealed a dumb ass, yeah. and it was actually oh, and it clicked. You know what I mean? It clicked. It was like oh you, oh you're an idiot. Oh. Oh, I see now. You know what I mean? And then you listen back to the music, you are like, oh, he's a fucking child. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, obviously all the, you know, the the meme of him talking about shit all all the time, it it clicked. It just clicked. I was like, oh my God, he just talks about shit all the time. He actually, and, and that's, oh, you know what I mean? It's just, He had this aura about him where, you know, he wasn't, like, wearing expensive clothing. I think, you know, from a branding perspective, he was very good. Um, You know, Dreamville as a concept, as as a label, kind of gave off, you know, didn't really give off a... You know, we're just another capitalist label, you know, getting money, all that stuff. We weren't doing that kind of thing. We're here to make real music kind of kind of thing, you know what I mean? The likes of, the likes that Jamler tried to do as well, right? They give off that, they give off that vibe, right? Um, of just, you know, we're here for, we're here for creativity, not for money. Um, and, you know, he, he, he's, him himself gives off that same vibe where he's just, you know, has his hair all in dreads now and, you know, he's just looking like a regular dude, right? Um, just wearing regular shirts and just shorts and some kicks. Like, he's he's regular. Um, but <laughs> but then when he did the no-name thing, I was like, oh, you're an idiot. Oh, it's, it's actually all clicking in now. Like, the sheen came off. Like, it really did come off of me. And I can't listen to him without thinking of the no-name booth and how no-name literally undressed him. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't enjoy Jay Cole anymore. Like, <laughs> it's... It's, it's impossible now and you know you come through a bayonet and I'm sure there's other lyrics in there that are just yes, embarrassing there are. I'm just like there oh are. come on Cole we please. do this every this time every
0: time this. Cole drops a verse I read it out in dramatic fashion to Charlie and Charlie's just like Ben stop it Stop doing this and I keep doing it because I know he doesn't like it and I want to make him uncomfortable and he's just like stop it is bad and that's the thing, like I'm not uncom- it- it's not a matter of uncomfortable, bro. It's just a matter just of shit. we
1: know. We yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say wavelength here, Chief. Like I don't need confirmation. <laughs> I don't need confirmation that he's a layman. Um and you know and then we get to the second bit, which is this fucking fan base. Abhorrent fan base. I hate them so much. I hate them. Cause when I said that, just 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 saying that bit where I said he's a layman, I, c- I just I heard them, I heard the screams, I heard the scream of J the screams of J Cole fans, where they're just talking about oh rhyme schemes, oh this, oh that conceptual, you know, just buzzwords, and I'm just like, and I'm just sitting there, just with a blank face. Or that um, or that uh, that 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 SpongeBob meme where Patrick is like um, in stocks and people are like you know holding pitchforks up at him, you know what I mean? Just I f- that's what I feel like. I'm just like, just just blank face. I d- I don't care. I don't care what they have to say to be honest, right? Because I I can see why people think he's great and in some ways I agree, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of branding here. And, um, and I, I see through it. I, that's all, that's all, that's all it is. I just see through it, man. Uh, and again, childish braggadocio bars are literally what I praise Derek B for, um, in, in, in part of his album, right? And I just want J. Cole to be honest. I just want him to be honest. I just, just, just give me the childish bars and and we're here you know what i mean i get it uh, but don't act like don't, don't don't get undressed by no name and still be acting smart don't do that don't do that cuz i'm not going to i'm not going to feel it i'm not going to feel it but you know the fans are going to be the fans um they're going to dick ride and go you know feature of the year um oh, what was the tweet i sent you um j cole is who you lot think andre is, andre is. and i was i was just That's like i can't one even of the, yeah I, I just had to let it wash over me. I was like, I, I, I was like, I said to myself when, when the, when the feature dropped, I was like, I can imagine someone saying, he's what, uh, he, 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 is what you lot think Andre is, but I was like, nobody would actually put that in a tweet, right? Uh, look at me, I'm the dipshit. Like, I genuinely thought they wouldn't actually say it, but here they do. Here they go showing it and saying it when you know, Black Thor hello, Andre, hello, like, come on guys, please, I beg you, just, 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 just get out your fan bubble, just a little bit, and just see where we're coming from, please, like, we can meet in the middle here, I really do think there's a middle ground that we can find here, but people are just so, so stubborn about J. Cole, and I get it, you know, they grew up with him,
0: I, I understand, um, but the, the yeah, sheen is off for me The sheen is bro on. I've grown up with plenty of artists who have taken a nose yeah. dive or cliff dive yeah. in quality yeah. 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 and I'm not yeah. sitting here like oh Eminem's still really good guys <laughs> oh shit no, yeah. I saying, like right. I mean the punchlines like for example when I tweeted about Lil Wayne album I knew the accounts that would reply that would say that they enjoyed it because they enjoy Eminem's music and that's the kind of level that the Wayne's on now and J. Cole, I'm not saying he's at that level, but like you can't this is why I have criticisms of Eminem. You know, you can't put out now like kamikaze or revival and then still think that you're the greatest. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a level of self-delusion there that I can't really get behind. And that's my problem with J. Cole. You can't rap these very generic pedestrian kindergarten level bars and in the same verse tell me that you're this incredible, untouchable, scorching rapper when Lil Yachty who doesn't really even rap that much anymore, eviscerated you on one on, on the song that you were on. Like, you know, what what are we doing here? So that's my problem anyway. But anyway, that's what it is. Let's never let anyone hear this because if they do, they'll be at our front doors with their pitchforks and saying, you don't like J. Cole. Your opinion on hip-hop is invalid. So, yeah. It's not like we don't like J. Cole. It's not that we don't like J. Cole. We do like J. Cole, but he's Man. not as good. He's, he's not he's as fine. good as you guys I'm say he the is. Sheen,
1: the Sheen's off. The Sheen's off. That's all. Good. He's not as sheen's good as you guys off.
0: say he is. All
1: right, with that said, we shall leave it there. And uh, yeah, uh, from the Fifth Element podcast. No, uh, it's been digging digits. Hope you enjoy this episode. I'm Charlie Taylor, Fifth Element.
0: I'm mean, Ben Carter. Football numbers. Who we got next week? Uh so Solid Crew next week. So
1: Solid Crew. Oh, I tell you so what.
0: That first listen, bro. When I was a little bit impaired. I mean, oh shit. That really took me to a whole other place. (laughs)
1: We're gonna get, we're gonna get, we're gonna continue getting our UK black History month bag next week with the classic, the soul solid crew, the solid crew. With that said, we hope you all have a good week. We shall always try to do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in digits. This is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is there to buy me. Music for the show is free and video games with bonus points, thanks to chill music for the ability to use. Socials, Venom and Hip Hop, numbers, bonus points, and chill music will be in the full show notes, as well as names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a 5 EP in production. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you next time on Digging in the